1: Welcome to the pastor's study. You know, the Bible is a deep book. Parts of it are kind of difficult to understand. But I would say overwhelmingly, maybe 95% of the Bible is pretty easy to understand. Today we are in an easy to understand, not necessarily to do, paragraph of the Bible. And it is going to give us just some very helpful advice on how to live your daily life. So would you take out your Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter 12 and let's learn some very practical advice on living the Christian life. Let's pray first. Father, we pray now as we open this book that you will open our hearts and open my mouth and speak to us whatever truth we need to hear today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul writes this to the ancient Christians in Rome. Romans chapter 12, we're starting at verse 9. Paul writes, let love be genuine. The word genuine there means without hypocrisy. So the first lesson for today, let your love be without hypocrisy. And what is the main complaint that unbelievers have of churchgoers? they're such hypocrites and you know why that it bugs me when i hear that and you know why everybody's a hypocrite nobody lives up to what they know they should be that's why we need the church because everybody's a hypocrite I, i was having lunch and the waitress finds out i'm a pastor and she says to me well i love jesus but i don't love church i never go to church because those churchgoers are such hypocrites and I came this close to saying room for one more (laughs) let's define the word hypocrisy you know the Old Testament the New Testament was written in Greek the word hypocrisy means to judge or to speak from underneath in a Greek play all the actors wore a mask and they would speak from under the mask to be a hypocrite is to speak from under in other words you're one thing on the outside but you're really something different underneath that's a hypocrite I thought of a lady I knew many years ago by the name of Yvonne. <laughs> Yvonne was so nice to you, to your face, and so bitter behind your back. That's what's called hypocrisy. John Calvin in the 1500s, reformer, wrote this, these words. It is difficult to express how ingenious almost all men are in counterfeiting a love which they do not really possess. They deceive not only others but also themselves when they persuade themselves that they, they have a true love for those who they not only treat with neglect but also in fact reject. Let me ask you this. Who really loves transgender people? I I fa- I I write Facebook postings if you Google or you go to Facebook, you type in Pastor Tom Brock, you'll get my Facebook stuff or go to pastorstudy.org. Well, I've been going through a miserable two weeks because there is a woman who says, I'm not male or female. I want you to call me they. Well, I refuse to do that. And I am just getting from pastors and seminarians, some of them using the F word on me because I refuse to call this woman who thinks she's not a man or a woman, I refuse to call her they, and I am unloving. Well, wait a minute. Aren't you unloving when you aid someone in their sexual confusion? Isn't the loving thing to humbly say, you know, let's get you some help. God made you a woman. You might think you're not a man or a woman, but you're a woman. See, let your love be without hypocrisy. You gotta be humble and loving about it, but you don't compromise God's truth. Let's look at verse nine. Let love be genuine, without hypocrisy. Next, next piece of advice: hate what is evil. Next lesson: it is good to hate evil. When you see evil in yourself, when you see it in the society, when you see it in the church, it's good to hate that. I mean, have you? I grew up watching the Academy Awards every year. Have you noticed the last couple of years? how filthy the Academy Awards have become it's not a you're not a prude by noticing that and hating it it's good to hate evil. verse 10 love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor here's the next lesson for our daily lives honor one another and I'm gonna say this especially honor people with your humor. I have a problem that I I can get pretty negative on people with the way I joke. And I, I remember once during the worship service, we're worshiping, and while we're singing this hymn, it comes thundering into my head, you hurt that person by the joke you made earlier this week. So after church, I went up to this person. I said, look, I am sorry for making that joke. Please forgive me. Boy, I'm glad I did that. Boy, was she hurt so we need to be very careful and honor people and honor people build them up with your humor don't tear them down with your humor and I'll say this especially especially honor your family isn't it true that the people we love the most we often honor the least work hard at showing honor to your family verse 11 do not be slothful in zeal Be fervent or on fire in spirit. Literally, fervent there means burning. Here's the next lesson. Have burning zeal for the Lord. Years ago, one of the biggest insults I ever got was somebody said to me, You know, Tom, you just don't seem as on fire for the Lord as you used to. That one made me stop and think. Is your church on fire for the Lord? there's a story a parable that there was a certain shoreline with hidden rocks and ships would would wreck on the rocks people would drown but then the people of the town decided let's build a lighthouse so they all got together and they built this big lighthouse they manned it, they they shone the light out ships could see the rocks they weren't getting shipwrecked anymore things were fine but after a while the people that built the lighthouse said, you know, we're kind of tired having to keep the oil up and having somebody up there 24 hours or during the night shining the light. Why don't we just take a little break and have a picnic? So they spread out their blankets on the lawn and they all had a picnic and they really enjoyed the picnic. And then somebody said, you know, the lighthouse is nice but we should probably paint murals, pretty pictures on the lighthouse side. So nobody's up in the top. Uh, watching for ships, but they're painting the lighthouse. and You know, we need to put some flowers around the bottom of the line. And finally, ships are uh, crashing again. People are dying, but the people of the town don't even notice it. And, and here's my question. Is your church a lighthouse trying to save the lost and bring them to Christ? Or has your church become a country club? And you forget and you've forgotten why God puts you on earth. I mean, I, I know of a church in a certain city. And from what I can see of, of that church, it looks like it's kind of on the dead side. You know the name of that church? I'm not making this up. Country Club Christian Church. <laughs> can you imagine calling your church Country Club Christian? I, I, it has to do with the part of town it's in, because the part of town is called Country Club, but I wouldn't call it. Are you on fire for the Lord, trying to save the lost and bring people to Christ? or are you painting pictures and having a picnic look at verse eleven serve the Lord here's the next lesson serve the Lord have you found your niche have you found something you can do in your life to serve the Lord I'm thinking back thirty years ago my first church in Florida there was an older man who was mentally disabled. He was very slow, but he had his niche. You know what he did? I think his name was Walter, if I remember right. Every night he had the keys to the church. Every night he came over to the church, make sure every single door in that big church was locked. That was his niche to serve the Lord. Do you have a niche? Some of you know who Dr. Pastor John Piper is, kind of a famous preacher today, written a lot of books. I kind of know John Piper, he taught me Greek at college. Years ago, I'm in the lobby of his church after the sermon and John and I are talking. And one man comes up and interrupts us and says, John Piper, do you remember a year ago when you preached that when you retire, you shouldn't buy a Winnebago and vacation the rest of your life away? You should find something to do to serve the Lord in your golden years? And John said, oh, I remember that sermon. And he said, you see that older couple over there? They heard that sermon, but they had just bought a Winnebago. (laughs) After that sermon, they sold their Winnebago. Now they have a Christian tract ministry giving out Christian pamphlets to people. And my question for you watching this show, if you're young, old, wherever you're at, do you have some niche? Is there something you're doing to serve the Lord? Look at verse 12. Romans 12.12. Rejoice in hope. Here's the next lesson. Rejoice in your hope. You can't always rejoice in your marriage. You can't always rejoice in your physical health. You can't always rejoice in your finances. You can't always rejoice in how your children are doing. There's one place you can always rejoice in your hope. That means your sins are forgiven because of Christ. He's coming back at the second coming. He's going to make everything right. That's where we rejoice. And you can always rejoice in that. (laughs) Look at verse 12 again. Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in tribulation. The word patient there means endure. So here's the next lesson. Endure tribulation. Don't run from it. Endure it. I read these verses, and you know what stuck out to me that I need to work on? I have a problem. My problem is I love peace and quiet way too much. Don't give me tribulation, and I've shared on this program before, my brother and I fought a lot as kids, and we'd say to mom, what do you want for Christmas? And she'd always say, peace and quiet. Well, I'm becoming mom in my old age, I'm tired of conflict. I don't want to argue with anybody just give me peace and quiet but you know what if you're gonna follow Jesus Christ in this sinful world you're not gonna get peace and quiet because you gotta fight the world your flesh and the devil so every Christian endure tribulation I will tell you I if you go to our website pastorstudy.org 2S's on the left-hand column you'll see all my Facebook articles and I write these articles and some people because I teach that sex outside of marriage is a sin, homosexual behavior is a sin, abortion is wrong, some people hate me and they write these posts that are just using the F word on me and everything else. Part of me wants to just stop writing those articles, but you know what? I think I'm supposed to keep writing those articles. (laughs) So here's my point. Endure tribulation. If there's tribulation in your life that's not from the Lord i think you can get rid of it but if you're getting tribulated because of something you did right then you just got to endure it and don't run from it and how do you endure tribulation that's the next verse verse twelve be constant in prayer next lesson is this pray constantly That's that's how you get through tribulation. You pray constantly, and my my thought on this is, I can tell you how I prayed for the first 12 years of my life. Every night, God bless mom Daddy, dad, everything here and mark and me, all our aunts and uncles and cousins, our father, art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Ah, uh, now let me not sleep or pray. I said the same thing every night. Then in I don't know age 12, 13, I started praying to God on and off in my head all day long. I still do. That's what pray constantly means. Do you have constant prayer? That's that might encourage you to, to start. Verse thirteen. Contribute to the needs of the saints. That's your fellow Christians. Contribute to the needs of the saints. There's the next bit of advice. Contribute to needs. Do you contribute to needs? Well, Pastor, there's so many of these starving children telethons. I, there's so many starving people. There's so much to get. I can't do everything. I know you can't, but you can do something. And it troubles me when I hear somebody say, well, you never know where the money really goes, and you can't do everything, so I'm not doing anything. The Bible says contribute to the needs. I mean, I love giving money to international Christians concern. It helps persecuted Christians overseas. I love giving to Samaritan's Purse. It's a Christian relief agency. Uh, There's all kinds of ministries, even ours, that you can contribute to. I'm not saying do everything, but pray about it and do something. And if you're not tithing, if you're not giving 10% of your money to the work of the Lord, Christian, I think you need to tithe. Look at verse 13 and seek to show hospitality. The word hospitality literally means love for strangers. Does your church have love for strangers when you walk into it? it? Do you feel the love that God has as a stranger or is it a prickly church? I'm going to close with this, with this thought. I'm going to share with you my very earliest church memory. I think I was about four years old. There was an old man that was teaching us little kids Sunday school. And partway through the year, he got sick, went to the hospital. We never heard from him again. I'm guessing maybe, I don't know, he died because we never saw him and never heard what happened. But you know what I remember about that old man? I just remember how much he loved us kids. You could feel it. (laughs) And when people walk into your church, can they feel hospitality love for strangers all right let's review here is some very good simple advice on how to live the Christian life number one let your love be without hypocrisy number two it's okay to hate evil number three honor one another especially your family number four have burning zeal have you lost your zeal number five serve the Lord find something to do Uh, number six rejoice in your hope that Christ is coming back. Number seven, endure tribulation. Don't run from it. Number eight, pray constantly. Do you have a prayer life? Number eight, contribute to the needs of the saints. Tithe if you're not. And number nine, have love for strangers. Do that and you're living out the Christian life. Amen.
2: Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us not only his knowledge of scripture, but his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Lord and our everyday walk with him. You know, Pastor Brock, you were talking about um, hypocrisy in the church. What should we do if we see hypocrisy in the Mm -hmm. church? Is there some sort of counter-intuitive, or...? Well,
1: here's the deal. Jackie, first of all, when I see hypocrisy in myself, I need to get on my knees and pray, God, forgive me and help me work on that. When you see it in someone else, or in the church or outside the church, I, what I used to say, when I was uh, the pastor at Hope Church, I, when we'd have staff meetings, I would tell the staff, go counterintuitive. That is, when somebody does something that bothers you, instead of doing the normal, sinful human thing, and I take it to you instead of taking it to this person's face, fight that and say, no, if I'm gonna talk to anybody about what she did, I'm talking to her about it. So uh, when we see hypocrisy in the church, we don't run and tell everybody else about it. We humbly pray, we go and humbly talk to the person that we're upset with. That's the main thing.
2: What if they don't change though?
1: Well, then you do uh, Matthew 18. I mean, if it's a, if it's a personality thing, you know, some of that isn't even sin, okay. but if it's a sin, Jackie, then Jesus says, in Matthew 18, you go one on one first. If that doesn't work, you take one or two more with you and then you confront them with three. And if that doesn't work, finally, you have to tell it to the, the church.
2: Okay. Do you think the church has been hateful to homosexuals?
1: All right. Um, we've had whole shows on this. I have personally struggled with same sex attraction most of my life. So is the church hateful toward homosexuals or inhospitable? We talked about hospitality. Some churches have fallen off the wrong side of the horse. They're hospitable. and We should be hospitable and loving to everyone. That doesn't mean we affirm everything everybody does. And there are churches now that are marrying homosexuals saying that that behavior is okay. So that's falling off of one side of the horse. There are other churches that fall off the other side of the horse saying homosexuality is the worst sin that there is. We don't want people that struggle with that in our church. That's just as wrong. The The balance just to, to ride the horse, Jackie, on this, we've got to maintain, maintain two things. Number one, yes, that behavior is contrary to God's will. It's a sin. But number two, we're all sinners. We love the sinners, and we help them just like we need help because we all are on this road together. But what is very evil is when somebody shuns someone because they have that struggle. But it's also, I think even worse, when they affirm someone and say, go ahead and do that, that's okay. Because First Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 says, you, you, if you live in a sin, you're not going to heaven. So there's a balance.
2: Okay. How does a person learn or know where they should serve the Lord?
1: Mm-hmm. There are 19 gifts of the Holy Spirit listed in the New Testament. Our job is to find which of those 19 gifts are mine, and then that's where you serve the Lord. Because that's where you do, like Jackie, I'm not gifted so much in like finances, so you don't put me over the finances of the church. My bank book has not balanced for years. But I know how to preach, so that's what you put me in charge of. And maybe Jackie, your gift—there's uh, there, a gift. One of the 19 gifts is called helps, and maybe you're really good at, at doing the work of the churches. You know, doing whatever. So there's 19 gifts. Look at First Corinthians chapters 12 and 14, and look at the gifts and see what. Pray about it and find out what your gift is, and then that's what you go for.
2: For just that one. Do you, well, no, do you people can have, have multiple gifts. You
1: can. You okay. sure can. Yep. yep.
2: If a person doesn't pray much, what's your advice on developing a prayer mm-hmm. life? Because mm-hmm. some people, you know, I mean, other than grace or saying a prayer with their kids at bedtime or yeah. something, yeah. don't go to the Lord to talk personally no. to them in that.
1: And I grew up in a house like that. Our prayers were, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, let these guests to us. And that was it. But but
2: I don't lay me down to sleep not, with another Yeah, one.
1: And, and mom taught us that one, and, uh, and and we got taught the Our Father but that was it. And so I, I'm just gonna encourage people, have a time every day when you pray. I, I like to take, I'm a morning person, so I like, I, I like to take time in the morning, and during that hour in the morning, I pray, I read my Bible, sometimes I take out my guitar and I sing to the Lord. But you know, some people are night people, do it before you go to bed, but everybody should have a concentrated prayer time that, that uh, they are close to the Lord.
2: And do you think that getting away and taking and making time for that is of value to a I th- person? I
1: think it's the most just about the most important thing you can do.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: Alright, question from one of our listeners is they want to contribute and you tell us that we're supposed to contribute to mm-hmm. causes and things, mm-hmm. but how does a person truly know where their money is going uh-huh. and if it's doing what it's supposed to.
1: Jackie, I get so bugged when I see some of the TV health and wealth preachers promise you that if you sow a seed into this ministry, you're gonna reap your miracle, your cancer's gonna be healed, your children will get off drugs. It's just evil. Jackie, th- there's an easy way. There's two ways. First of all, listen to the content of the preaching. And if they're trying to get into your pocketbook and sell you a miracle, something's wrong. I wouldn't give to those people. There's a lot of them on TV. But also, there's a group called ECFA, Evangelical F- Council. ECFA, Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. If a group has that seal, that means they're part of this group where their finances are above board. Um, so just those are some ways.
2: What happens if you? Think your church is giving money to something that you don 't agree that they should be doing,
1: yeah well, um, is there
2: I, a path that you take to
1: yeah i think <coughs> I think we should give our money to wherever we 're being fed spiritually, so Jackie, if I get upset about something going on at the church that I serve or I go to uh, to take my money and give it somewhere else because i 'm in disagreement over something. You know, you can always find something you're in disagreement with. But if it's huge, then I think you you take it to the church council and say, look, can we stop funding this thing?
2: Yeah. Okay. You talk about being hospitable to people in that. But is there ever a time when you need to take a second look at that, being hospitable? Yeah. And, like, say, tell someone they should be out of the church? Right.
1: And I will tell you... Liberal churches love to talk about hospitality. That means anybody can come to communion. No they can't. You need to believe in Christ to take holy communion. But in liberal churches everybody can take communion. In liberal churches some of them doesn't matter what your sexual sin is. It's not a sin. God loves you. You know, all this stuff. Well, and and uh, you got to read 1 Corinthians 5. There was a guy that was sleeping with his his stepmother. And Paul says, "Get that guy out of your church." He's infecting the rest of it. So when, there's, when someone is living in sin, they're proud of it, they're not repenting, for the sake of that person's soul to wake them up, you've got to say you're out of here. I know of a church in the Twin Cities. There was a guy that was using this church to um, fornicate and find women and seduce them. The pastor finally, and they tried to deal with this guy, finally the pastor got in the pulpit and said, ladies, there's a certain man at our church, his name is, and he told the name publicly and he said, beware of this man because the man wouldn't leave. (laughs) I think he left probably after that, (laughs) but there you go.
2: So. If a person feels that that's happening to them, who should they go to?
1: If, it, the, the, what's happening to them?
2: If they feel they're being taken advantage of by yeah. somebody.
1: Yeah, I think if, if it's in the church, you go to the elders of the church and, and well, first of all, no, Matthew 18, you go to that person first. Okay. And if they won't listen, you take two others. And if they won't listen, then you go to the elders.
2: Okay, Tom, we have just about a minute left and I'm gonna let you tell okay. people about what's happening yep. with our ministry. Sure. And, it's been a long time.
1: Yeah, we've been on for 28 years, now we're on nationally. And when we get more money, we add more cities. So if you're blessed by this ministry and believe in what we're doing, uh, we're still on the air. You can go to pastorstudy.org, two S's, you can contribute there, or you can just watch our TV shows for free there anytime, pastorstudy.org, or there's an address coming up at the, uh, at the end where uh, that's where people send their donations. But thank you so much for uh, your prayers. If you don't give us a penny, that's fine. Pray for us because we we need your prayers to reach the lost. So, thanks, God bless you, and we'll see you next week at the Pastor Study.
0: Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry?